0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Deuteronomy chapter 30, which is our foundational scripture, and you should be pre-marked to that for the next. Four or five weeks six weeks or however many weeks we go but you should be pre-marked to that because remember in our previous teaching we took a just a slight curve not really a turn but a curve and so because of this we are now in Deuteronomy God is setting God is setting our standard has already been set but God is setting us he's preparing us we're still in that groove with God God is preparing us we're in lesson two In lesson two, and so, and this, I simply entitled this, Learning How to Make Right Decisions. How do we make right decisions? Hard decisions. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 30, the Lord is giving instructions to the children of Israel. And he is uh, letting them know that they have a choice. He always does that. And then, he, but not only did he t- let them know they had a choice, but he told them how to choose. While it seems like it's an obvious choice, God said he recorded that day in heaven. He's I record in heaven and on earth. This day, against them, letting them know, he said, "I'm a, I'm, I'm recording this against you, letting them know that if they that they needed to make The right decision. And let me tell you, we like to say God is the same yesterday, today, and forever for things that we want Him to be the same about. But He's the same with this now. He's setting the teaching that is going forth. He said, I'm setting this in heaven and on earth against you if you won't make the right decision. You cannot make decisions on your own. And do your own thing. You belong to God. So, here in verse um, um, number, beginning at verse 15, we're in chapter 30, beginning at verse 15. And it reads See, I have set before thee this day life and good and death and evil, in that I command thee this day. To love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live multi- live and multiply. And the Lord thy God shall bless thee in the land whether thou goest to possess it. But if thine heart turn away, if you get distracted, if you turn away so that thou will not hear... If you let something come in your life to distract you, and you will not hear what I'm saying, but shall be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I denounce unto you this day that ye shall surely perish, and that you shall prolong, and you shall not prolong your days upon the land, whether thou passest over Jordan to go to possess it. Verse 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and cursings. Therefore choose life, that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is your life. And the length of your days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to them. I like that. You know, you hear people say, well, you know, he said, he said before us, you know, life and death, blessing. Why did he even have to do blessing? Well, let's not even go there. It doesn't even It don't matter if anything else. He told you how to choose. I don't care what else came behind it. Oh, I don't care what come behind it. If he told me to choose life, I'm not even concerned with anything else that come behind it. I'm gonna choose what he said choose. That's where we miss it. Amen. So church, we've been taught and we know that we must be prepared for God's next move, the next move of God. We learn that we're not gonna be prepared if we're unable to make the righteous choice, the righteous. Uh, uh, um, uh, whatever answer that you need. You have to make the right choices, the right answers. Make And making them right, the, every decision that you make, it has to be the right one, and it can always be the right one. If we choose life. You don't have to guess. If you're choosing according to the Word of God, I don't care how it looks. In the natural, how it feels, tastes, smell, if I'm doing according to his word, I'm going to make the right choice. It might look like, oh, I think you did something wrong. Did you do it according to the word of God? Or did you do it according to your own will? If you did it according to the word of God, it's gonna all oh, you're always gonna make the right decision. Amen. But one thing about making the right decision, just know of a surety that it's not it doesn't always mean that when I make a right decision, everything's gonna be easy. It could be tough. When you make hard decisions, it could be hard. It could be unpleasant that you go through it. And most of the times, most of the time, when you're making right decisions, it's because you usually made a wrong one. And then when you make a right one, you still gotta go through what you put yourself in wrong. Because it doesn't just erase in it, your consequences for your choices. Amen. Amen. So because it's, it's, just because it's what you know that you should do doesn't mean it's gonna be, going to be easy. And it doesn't mean that it's the right decision. Because it's something that you know that you should do. You still gotta consider God. That's what God was admonishing uh, the children of Israel about. It's the same thing that Jesus, I'm telling you, that Jesus admonished his disciples about, that I'm admonishing you about. When, When Jesus was admonishing his disciples, he was telling them about the narrow way. That leads to life. He said it's the narrow way. But the broad way, he said, it leads to destruction. I'm telling you. He said now the narrow way, not a few going to be that find it. The broad way, many go therein. Choose the narrow way. Choose the way. When everybody is rowing downhill, you must row up. According to the word of God. And Jesus was saying even though there's a way that leads to life. There's going to be few that find the right decisions to find it. But there will be many who will take the broader way that leads to destruction. And church, I want to make sure that when we are presented with a decision between life and good and blessings and cursing we got to make sure that it is in the will of God, a loving God. He's telling you what to do. Serving God and choosing to serve. You know, I have to serve God and choose to serve Him over my flesh. You have flesh. Your flesh is never going to want to do what God says. But you must choose God, a loving God, over your flesh. Amen. And choosing a decision that doesn't glorify Him brings you problems. We make the right decisions that we can serve God properly. Every time that we make the right decision, you're going to serve God righteously. God is trying to teach us you can make the right decision. Amen? Listen, we will not go through the process of restoration if we don't make the right decisions. See, we want to be restored, but you've got to make the right decisions. We won't restore the breaches that are in our lives that we talked about in previous teachings if we can't make the righteous decisions. We won't be able to establish a plan for our life if we don't make an, uh, the righteous decision. We won't be able to establish our homes if you won't make the right decision. I'm telling you, you we can't make this hard. It's not It's not. It's just doing it God's way. If we can't make the hard decisions, nothing's going to fall in place. Listen, you young adults out there, you young people out there that want boyfriends and girlfriends, if you don't learn to make the right decisions, you're going to mess up your life. And I know you don't want to listen. You don't want to listen. Because all of a sudden we're too old. But uh, we tell you all the time, we've been your age, you haven't been ours. You haven't been ours. So you need to understand and you need to listen. Don't worry, it won't be long. Pretty soon you're going to be up in age and you'll be glad that you listened. You'll be glad that you listened. You're not going to stay 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, Yeah, let me tell you, that's really short, fast times in your life. You're going to have another life and you're going to say, Oh my God, I'm so glad. I'm so glad my dad did this. I'm so glad my mom did this. I'm so glad they came and got me when I did this. I'm so, you'll be thankful. I know you don't see it now because you're young in the head, but you had better get smart in the head by listening to God's instructions. I'm telling you, don't look at what goes on on the outside with people. All of that, they have to show you that. They, they That's all they're doing is showing you that. Let me tell you, when they go behind those closed doors, it's different. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you to understand, grab a hold of this. Listen, we're going to be not be able to... Um, well, if we're going to be able to be dealing with these times that we're in, we're in some hard times, some dark times perilous times in this country. If we can't make the right choices, we're going to be in trouble while all of these problems are going on. You know, how can we make it through? We got health crisis in the land. We got political unrest in the land. We got economic crisis in the land. We got systemic racism in the land. Social injustice all over the land. Every week is something different. If you're not making the right choices, you're going to fall all apart. You're gonna be oh, I'm just I'm nervous about this. I got, you can't even stay focused on the things of God because you don't know when to make the right decisions and when not to make the right decisions. And so you need to understand that, and all of these things that I just named, they're happening at the same time it's not like one thing is happening and then a few months ago, you know. No, all of these injustices and all of these social things are happening all at the same time, being dumped on you all at the same time. And God is saying, you need to know how to make the right decision, the righteous choice, the righteous way, whether it's a hard decision, whatever kind of decision it is, you need to be able to make it. Because you're going to have to, in the times to come, is decisions that you're going to have to be able to make. And so you need to be making them now in the midst of crisis. And let me tell you, when you're not able to make the right decisions, it leads it leads you away from the good life. And We all want that. We learned last week that our intent is to test, test our readiness. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are our resolve? In other words, how ready are you? How ready? See, it's, you have to be more ready than just in word. I'm ready. You almost went off the deep end with the snow. And you're saying you're ready. Let me tell you, things are coming that's much worse than a snowstorm. Things are going to get worse. Things are gonna come that's much worse than not having lights and not having water. And we think that's the ultimate. But something else is coming. And you have to be able to make the be ready to make the right choices, amen, and the right decisions that will come. And God has given us all of it so that we can be prepared. I'm telling you, don't get away from being prepared. It's important. Are we ready to make the right decisions that are going to cause us to be ready to deal with adversities? They will come. Are we ready for the hard decisions that are going to cause us to have to uh, have the type of planning that we need to have to get through whatever adversity that we'll go through? So you have to have advanced planning, remember. Are we ready to make the right decision that'll allow us to establish the will of God? Most people are shaking, even in their boots now. Shaking because we don't uh assemble and, and falling all apart and getting distance and all because you're not established. I don't care how long you've been in the church. These kind of things show your establishment. It's okay when you everything's going good. That's what I'm watching and looking. I'm seeing who's staying established in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of troubles and turmoils, social injustices, all of the things of economic crisis. Who is staying still, rooted, grounded, settled, and established in the will of God? It will always show. Pressure will always show up. Amen? We said the purpose of this teaching is for us to understand what is required of us to make the right decision. Church, we are all going to have to make right decisions. You're going to have to make it through. You know, no one in here, no one out there that's me. no one is going to be missed. No one is exempt. You are going to come upon a time you have to make a right decision about the most important thing. You're going to have to make decisions about what's going to change your life. Everybody is going to do that. And if you can't make the right decision, you're going to be in trouble. Amen? You won't be what God wants you to be unless you're able to make the right decision. You're not going to be able to do what God requires. Of you, if you're not able to make the right decision, and I'm not just talking to the older people in this ministry. Young people, young and older alike, it's important that you know. See, when you young people read of David, you all you all see him as king and as the older. But David was a young boy when he was was establishing himself with God. Solomon was. Jesus was. See, we, we read about them as adults, but you, you have to go back and read of their young life. Remember when they were going to look for uh, the king and, and, and they brought all of the handsome uh, sons? And he said, no, it's, I know I haven't missed God. No, these are not it. He said, well, we got, we got, a, we got one ruddy one of, that means here. Yeah, he we got one. He's the one that don't get in the mess with everybody. But he's over on the backside of the mountain over there, keeping. See, a lot of times we think we got to be doing what everybody else is doing. David wasn't. See his future. He wasn't. He wasn't worried about the. He wanted something with God. And I'm telling you, it's many things. I mean, things that we read about. Like him killing uh, the, the bear and all, that he did in profit, But here, let me tell you, when you can get quiet with God alone, he'll speak to you. Many things he talked to David about. And he was a young boy. He had pimples. He had acne at that time. And he wasn't trying. He could have been hanging out with his friends. But he was seeking God. See, we want we want all the prestige that he got as king, but we don't want to do nothing in our young life but appease our flesh. But we're gonna to get to that. But I want you to understand that about David. And 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 stop looking at just a man. Go back and read when he was young. God is faithful. He's the remember, he was a young boy when he took on Goliath. He wasn't King David. Because God was with him. Amen. <clears throat> so, we, we said the purpose of this teaching is for us to understand what is required of us to make the right decision and to do those things that God has called. Church often comm, uh you know, we often commend, like I told you, people that make the right choices and we're, you know, kind of excited about them and we're, ooh, I can't believe they're so, oh, that's such a blessing. Look how strong they are, everything. And, you know, I, listen, I don't want anybody, I don't need that. I don't want anybody trying to look up to me like I can make the right decision or any of these ministers. We need to be as as a church as a whole that all of us know how to make the right decision in hard times. See, it's easy to make, make the right decisions when nothing's going on. So, you know, it's not. I'm not impressed with you being excited about me making the right decision. Or one of the ministers, or all of the ministers making the right decision. What about you? We are a church. We are one. And in extreme circumstances, every one of us can make the right decision by simply following the Word of God. Amen. The hard decision. Amen. So, the admiration, you can keep it for that. Keep Hey, put the admiration on yourself and say, you know what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to stand in hard times. Amen? I don't want to pastor a church where everybody just admires me or just admires all the ministers. No. I don't want to pastor a church like that. Our founding pastor didn't want a past, uh, to pastor a church like that. That's why he groomed them. Because he did not want that. He's like, everybody ought to be walking in this. Everybody. Amen. I want to pastor a church where well, all of us are an example. Everybody's an example. Amen. Our goal is simple. I just It's it, it just very simple. Simple. What is our resolve? I want to know what your resolve is. What is it? I want to strengthen your resolve as an individual. I know as we're entering into the next phase of what's going on in the world and in the church, I want to make us strengthen in everything. Strengthen in our resolve. That it, strengthen in our resolve of what God has called us to do in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of everything that's going on. But more importantly, I want to strengthen our resolve as a church as a whole. I want to strengthen you individually, but I also want to strengthen our resolve as a church as a whole. And as this pandemic keeps waning on and we're in our inability to come back together and meet all of us here and worship together, you know what, you know, I don't know how long it's going to drag on, but we still got to be, have a resolve, no matter how long. And I want to make sure that you don't lose your resolve, resolve in the midst of this that we're going through. It's hard times. You cannot, I do not want you to lose your resolve. Some of you already have. It's sad, but it's true. I want to make sure that you don't lose your intensity, that you don't lose your zeal to live and do what God has called you to do. I want to make sure that you don't lose your resolve to prepare your house and your life for the next move of God. I want to strengthen our resolve so that we don't defile one decision with another decision. We made a right decision, then we come right back and make a wrong decision. I want to make sure we don't do that. We want to make sure that we're constantly making the right decision. And we want to make a resolve with that. I don't want us back and forth, one decision right, one two wrong, two wrong, one right. You know, you can choose life. You can choose life. And you can make a right decision. There are young men and young women in this church, you have made a choice to give your life to the Lord. That's a serious choice. See, it's not about just going to church and just saying something. If you've given your life to the Lord, then you need to line yourself and position yourself up to be in a place. Find out the state that you're in. And I can tell you, you're in the state of growing and development. Don't get away from it and let the world try to show you how to grow and develop. That's what we're here for. God set it up a couple of years ago when he said we need to get on the wall. We need to rebuild. You need to have coaches to minister to you. Don't get with the world. It will run the things of God out of you. You know, a lot of people, since they've been streaming the services, you you have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice to dedicate your life to the Lord. If you're backslidden and you got all out of the way of the Lord. See, once you get away from me and we don't see you on a regular basis... You know, you can just kind of, you act like you're relaxed. But remember, this building is just this building. God sees everything. It's not a matter of whether we see it. God sees it. And you gave, remember, you gave your heart to God. You did. If you gave your heart to God and gave it over to God, then you should be serving Him. If you can rededicate your life to the Lord, then serve Him. And I want to strengthen your resolve so that your next choice doesn't violate or your next decision doesn't violate your last decision. That's what I want to do. uh, Listen, we had four objectives and we laid them out. And we might have more, but I just picked four of them out. But four objectives that are laid out. And I wanted to teach us the requirements that we have to do. And the four requirements are the commitment, and we dealt with that last week. I told you in the, the discipline is required, sacrifice is required, and last but not least, thinking that is required. So last week in our first lesson, we looked of, at commitment. Mm. The commitment that was required. And we said that our commitment has to be to God. Get away from thinking that you're doing something for a person. Your commitment, anything that you do, it's a commitment to God. That's your first, that's the first thing you need to drive out of your head is only thing I'm committing to is to God. We have to commit to love God. And keep his commandments. And understand that all commitments, all, not some, all commitments are really to God. It's never to a person. It's never to a thing. It's never to a situation. It's never to a circumstance. It's always to God. Are you with me? A commitment has to be to God, and our commitment has to be, most of all, to love God. Not in just word. You have to love God with all your heart, your strength, your mind, your soul. You have to love, fall in love with God. You'll see things much clearer. So we have to keep the the commandments. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to, when I when I love God, guess what? I don't have to worry about anybody else and how I treat them. You know why? I'm going to treat them according to my love for God. Because that's who I'm committed to. See, we want to try to love people without being in love with God. That's why our love is conditional. That's why we have a limit to it. Oh, now I'm fed up with them. Now that's enough. No, that's enough. That's because I'm loving you on my own. Without first having loved God in such a way, in such a fashion, that no matter what you do, I can love you because I love God. That's so very important. And see, that, that goes far beyond just saying I love God. Because the moment you say that, you're gonna have a situation to see if you really love God. And it's gonna be with an individual. You'll always treat them according to the Word of God. Love should always be our response. And we said, what is love? We said, it is the biblical treatment of another person. I have to commit out of my love to God. That's what I'm committed to. See, I'm committed to loving you out of my love for God. That's why I love you no matter what. And out of my love for God, guess what? It makes me always have the correct action. Even when you've wronged me. I'll always have the correct action. With the correct motivation. Like Father, ooh, that because see, I get it. We're in the flesh. The flesh always gives you excuse to act a fool. Always give you a reason why you shouldn't be what God is telling you to be. Well, I know. I mean I know what God's saying, but you know what? uh uh-uh. Uh uh-uh, uh. Uh-uh. No. We have, you've just stepped out of the will of God. I'm going to love you no matter what because of my love for God. My commitment to God. And I'm always going to be in the correct position when I'm in right standing with the Almighty God. Did you hear me? You'll always, I don't care if you feel, see a lot of times we feel like, oh God, I just feel like they're going to use me if I'm going to say. You'll always be in the correct position when you're in right standing with God. Just do what God said. Don't worry about what you, whether you think they're going to do something or they're not, you know, they're going to try to use me and, you know, they're going to take that for granted. That's not your position. My position is I love God and I'm going to stay in right standing with him. God knows how to deal with people that wrong you, but God said, "You know, if if we if God could show us how many times that He could not do what He wanted to do for someone else because we got out of character." God said, "I could have. Do I look like I need your help? I can handle them if you just do what you're supposed to do, but we just step out of character. I'm just I've just got to step out of character." And I know we have to contend with this flesh, the flesh don't want to, but my love for God' will make my flesh line up. Amen. So we have to understand then we learn that the commitment requires a commitment to the standard. Our standard is Jesus, the Word of God, and we learn that we are not going to lower our standards. We are not for anyone I'm not lowering my standard, but we're going to press. To live our lives up to the standard. Don't lower it. You, let me tell you, it's easy. I'm wondering why I can't see good, but it's easy to lower your standard and not even know it. I'm going to have to teach some of you young people, especially you with, with all these relationships, because the, the, you, you don't have no walk away game. You gotta have to learn when to walk away. You need walk away game. And you you, you don't have it. You know, you want to walk in too. You need to learn walk away game. You need to learn the, when to walk away. I'm, I think I'm gonna have to just do a whole little class on that. The walk away game. Because you don't understand what it is. You don't understand what it is. You got to learn. Let me tell you, God's young men and women, that's one thing you must learn. The walk away game. Because many people are going to come into your life. Guess what? Listen to me. You young people, there's only one man for you. Why waste your time with the 99 (laughs) that's coming? There's only one. So all the other stuff you're doing, that's a waste of time. Oh, yeah, I'll get back to that. I I can't get into that, but, yeah, the walkaway game. I'm going to have to call it just that. Amen. So we need to understand that we're going to have to be a people that press, and because we have a standard, we don't allow people in situations to determine our level of commitment. We allow our standard to determine our level of commitment. That's a good one. I don't let people, situations, or circumstances determine my level of commitment. My standard already set it. So I don't have to say, oh now this happened. Oh this situation comes. Now I gotta do No. The standard already set it. Oh now then, oh now he, that's somebody different. This is that. No, I don't let people say, see you start lowering your standard. You don't want to do that. I'll say it again. Your standard determines your level of commitment, then we treat people and handle situations according to that standard and what is our standard? Jesus because people may change situations may change so i so i don't have to try to figure out how to treat this person or then how should I treat them because they're kind of different. or how do I deal with this situation? Oh this is kind of a different situation no. I'm going to deal with all of it according to the standard. I just stay there. What is God's standard on that? That's where I'm going. I don't. When we're trying to do anything else, we are overthinking it and we're doing our own thing. The standard set. I've made a commitment to a standard. And now I do treat every person and they handle every situation according to it. Then lastly, last week, we learned that when we have a commitment, we have to commit to purpose. That is, I have to commit to the stage of life that I find myself in. I have to commit to the state of life that I find myself in. That is, you know, all of us, every one of us, uh, you know, we have to, we have to understand that the, the state of life that we're in right now. I gave you three. Everybody's in one of them. Then I have to commit to the place that I have in the body of Christ. I have to commit to be a joint that supplies. I appreciate the women that was at the, uh, 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 zooming with us, joint supplying. I I have to commit to that. And and when I'm a joint supplier, I'm committed to minister into the lives of others. I'm committed to that. Amen. Now, if you will, for new information, let's go to 1 Peter. That was all stuff we talked about last week. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And subtitle this, if you will, The Discipline Required to Make Hard Right Decisions. The discipline required to make the hard right decision. The discipline. Church, we have to understand that there's a certain level of discipline necessary or that is required if we're going to make the right decisions. Now we know about commitment. We just went over those things and we talked about it that way. But now you need to understand discipline. Now listen to me church. Write it down. Discipline is forced obedient. But the forced obedient is self applied. You have to apply. I'll say it again. Discipline is forced obedience. That is self applied. Self. The, uh, the discipline is force obedient that is self applied in other words discipline please understand this discipline is not is not really discipline if somebody have to make you do it if somebody have to make you do it you're not disciplined <laughs> if somebody have to make you take out the trash you're not disciplined if somebody has to make you do anything, you're not disciplined in that area. Are you, fo- are you following me? Listen to me. Discipline is self-applied. You will not be able to make the right uh, decisions, the hard decisions, without discipline. You will not. Discipline, listen, separates those that say they're committed from those that are actually committed. Discipline will. I'll say it again. Discipline will separate those who say they're committed from those who are actual, actually commi- uh, um, committed or disciplined. I'm telling you, discipline will show you. See, I, I don't care how long you did it. I don't care. Discipline shows Everything. You know, oftentimes I would say, you know, um, I I hear people say all the time, and I, I heard them say what I found in pastor, I'm committed, pastor. I'm committed. But it is your discipline that really separates what you say from what you actually are committed to. Because anybody can say it. Anybody can repeat it. Anybody can say it. But it's your discipline that's going to show the difference. Because a lack of discipline leads to compromise. A lack of discipline leads to compromise. In any area of your life where you are compromising, and compromise is simply lowering your standard. That's all compromise is. I just lowered my standard. In any area that you are compromising or lowering your standard, it is because in that area you are not disciplined. So instead of developing the discipline to live up to the standard, instead of compromising, and because I'm undisciplined, I lower the standard down to what is comfortable to my flesh. And there goes the compromise. See, you, once you lower the standard to what's comfortable to your flesh, you have already lowered your standard. The standard has been lowered. Are you with me? And you're, it's been lowered, and you compromise simply because I don't want to force myself to obey. Because that's discipline. You have to force yourself to obey. I must discipline every area of my life. So this morning we got three simple, simple instructions I'm going to give you. So write this once and you don't have to write it again. Making right decisions require, just write that once and then I'll give you the three, just three simple things. Making the right decisions requires, point one, I abstain from fleshly lust. Now, when I say abstain from fleshly lust, everybody goes to sex. But there's lust outside of just sex. Most of the people that when you say lust, their mind go to sex is because that's what they're struggling with. Listen, fleshly lust is just a human desire and cravings for ungodly things, whatever it may be. It's just a human desire and cravings for ungodly things. Amen? And the first step, everybody say first. Everybody say first. The first step to discipline, here it is, is abstinence. That's the first step. Step number one. Teaching you how to make the right decisions. The first step to discipline is abstinence. What does the word abstinence mean? It means the restraining of a practice of indulging yourself in something. Now in 1 Peter chapter 2, let's start at verse 9. It reads, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him that hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now people of God, which hath not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You didn't obtain, but now obtain mercy. Follow me on this. Follow me. Now, we love to say, We love to say, and we always say, I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I've attained mercy. And all of that is true and good, and we read it right here. But you got to keep reading. See, we want to stop right there. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. But you got to keep reading. That's the problem that we don't do. Keep reading. Now, if you're going to be a royal priesthood and a holy nation... A chosen generation, then you have to be able to make the right decision. Look at verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Verse 12, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. That whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be they may they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, if you want to put on your T-shirt, I'm a holy nation. i uh, uh, you know I'm just everything that this, that the word just said. You know, I'm I'm everything. I'm godly. I'm am a woman of God. I'm I'm holy. I'm set apart. You can put anything on your T-shirt. You can put it on a bumper sticker of your car. Oh, amen. Look, the royal priesthood. You can put "I'm a peculiar people" on the back of your T-shirt. You can say that you're you're, you're excited that God has called you out of darkness. You were once in darkness, but God has now called me out of darkness into His light. You could say I have the qualification of a chosen generation. I'm walking in that. I have the qualification of the priesthood, the royal priesthood. I know what God's Word says about me. See, we can say all these things and they are true. But what if you can't abstain from that lustly, that fleshly, lust with all of these words that you're saying that you are. See, uh, wearing a t-shirt proclaiming you're holy, God says, what about your flesh? What about that flesh I've been dealing with you about? See, God don't want us to just look holy holy where somebody can visibly see it. God said, I want them to see it in you. Not on a t-shirt, I want to see it in your life. Write it down. Making the right decision requires letter A, to deny my flesh. That means I cannot have what I want. I won't let my flesh have what it wants. The flesh always wants everything. You know, oftentimes we like to deal with the big sins and the big things. And we like to talk about that. But, we, you know, you know all the things that we ought not to do. Listen, all sin to God is grievous. Whether you call it little or small, it's unpleasant to God. God doesn't want our flesh driving in any aspect of our life, whether we call it little or big. See, that's our own deal. You know, know, it's not as big as this, but it's sin. But we have to discipline ourselves. Not only as it relates to sex and drugs and those sorts of things, because those things are obvious. But listen... We got to use this time that we have now, this quarantine time, this time that we, you know, we got this self-quarantine and we're in our homes. This is a good time that we can see it. We have to use it to discipline. Listen, let, let's just get real. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. In this time of quarantine, we just need to use this time to discipline ourselves in eating. Just eating. eating. Oh, I hope she don't stay on that long. I felt the same way when God was talking to me. Do we have to stay on it this long? Yes. Discipline our lifestyle. We need to discipline our time management. Because we're in quarantine. This is a good time to start managing your time. And how do we do that? Deny the flesh. You can do it when you deny the flesh. That's the only way that you're going to be able to do it, is deny the flesh. Deny the flesh, which is something we don't want to do. We have to listen. We can't let our flesh have what it wants and be disciplined. We cannot. We have to break the desire of our flesh. And the only way to break the desire of our flesh is you have to deny it. There's no other way. You have to deny it. If you want to break the desires of your flesh, deny it. That's the only way. Listen, abstinence comes before, listen, any kinds of deliverance. (laughs) Abstinence comes before any kind of deliverance you want abstinence is going to come. Because, write this down, you're going to continue to struggle if you continue to consume. Ooh, ooh, that was a good one. I said, God, you were wrong for that on me. But he said, you'll continue to struggle if you continue to consume. You will. No no doubt about it. You will continue to struggle if you continue to consume. That's in any area. So you cannot say, I'm struggling in this area. And you are continuing to ingest, digest, you're inviting it into your life, and then you're going to complain about struggling. You can't say, I feel bad, I'm not feeling good, and then I go out and ingest everything that makes me feel bad. That's undisciplined. you got to deny the flesh. You, you ought to see where God is going. That's the first thing I have to do, if I'm going to be dis- disciplined, is deny the flesh. I must, I, listen, I must break my flesh's desire for the things that do not glorify God. Say, no, nope, you're not going to have it. Now the flesh likes it, but you know for yourself it's not good. Whatever it might be. Don't get hung up on just food. Because it's more than that. Anything that does not glorify God. Listen, if I'm going to make the right decision, it requires me, letter B, to not tempt my flesh. Oh, we can tempt our flesh. Start sneaking around. That's tempting your flesh. Trying to get into something that you're going to get in trouble with. That's tempting your flesh. In other words, listen, don't provide your flesh access to what you cannot handle. See, you think you can. Do not, You deny your flesh. Do not give your flesh that kind of access. Don't provide your flesh with it. Of something you cannot handle. And here's the thing. I have to go down the list. Every, every, every Everybody that hears my voice. Everybody hears my voice. Everybody. Everybody in here. This will, this will prevent me from trying to go down the list. of, the of the Everybody in here under the sound of the voice, you already know what your flesh can't handle. I don't have to go down the list. Everybody. And everybody has something that their flesh can't handle. And you already know what it is. We did see it. No, I, you know what it is. You know what your flesh can't handle. How do I know? What have your flesh done in the past? Now, this is what you ask yourself the question, right where you are, especially you at home. Ask yourself the question. If what your flesh can't handle, is it still in your house? Mm. Is it still in your house? The great thing about this message is this morning, all you have to do, those of you that is at home, is just look away from the screen and look around. Is it in your house? The thing that you cannot handle. Look around and ask yourself. Oh, is it in your phone? Is something you can't handle in your phone, on your computer, in your house. Do you still have some things in your house that you don't need access to? Because you know, I can't handle this. I cannot handle these. Let me put it to you this way. Not only do you need to deny your flesh, but you need to, listen, you need to set up a security for your flesh. Mm. Now I'm going to make some of you real uncomfortable. See, if it's something you deny, then I need to set up a security system for my flesh. Our flesh needs security details. That's what's going to make. See, we're, we're talking about being disciplined. And what you need to do to get disciplined. So now I need a security detail. See, you can't just say, well, I'm going to do better. I'm sorry, I'm going to do better. No, you need to set up a security detail. <laughs> Why? Because you cannot trust your flesh. Don't think you can. You can say all day long, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to handle it. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to yield to it. I'm strong enough. But I guarantee you, if it's available to you, you have access to it. And you're going to develop the discipline you need to make the right, you will never. But, because if it's there, you're gonna, you're gonna walk about it, you'll walk around it long enough, but you're gonna touch it. If that phone number or something in your phone that you know shouldn't be there, you know you can't handle it, you'll walk around it and you'll slide it until you slide right back to that one and feet. Why? Because your flesh can't handle it. You know you can't handle it. You know it's not good for you. You'll walk around that refrigerator. You'll back up from it. you do all of that. But if you open it and it's there, I'm telling you, it'll start with a piece. I know what I'm talking about. It'll start with a piece. And that's it. And all it takes is for you to eat that piece and walk back to your room and it's gone. And all of a sudden, have you noticed? Your flesh will make you start roaming back in the kitchen. You act like you don't want it, but you're roaming back to what that thing you cannot handle. Be like, um, I just want a little more. This one little, you know, live with a little piece. You know, it's like those, those, what, what those uh, everything butt cakes, them little bitty ones. Well, by the time you eat four of them, you didn't eat the cake. You know, you'd be like, well, just get the little one. But you got every flavor. You got ten flavors. And they're all in containers. And all of a sudden, you look and you'd be like, isn't that little one? That wasn't nothing. <laughs> you know, I'm going to taste that one. I never tasted that. See, you can't have You're going to keep going. You can, Why? Don't trust your flesh. Just don't. Somebody say you're preaching to the choir. I'll say it. You're preaching to the choir. I'm talking about discipline. So you can learn to make the right decisions. And see, I'm talking about just things like that. But it goes with guys, girls, situations at work, circumstances, all of that. What is your flesh there? You, you can't handle that. You don't, you don't need to handle that. Now I'ma tell you, we have said in time past, and I'ma say it again. We have told young people, they pissed on it, they would not listen, and we're telling you young people now, we keep telling you, you don't go on dates by yourself, but with a group. We grown. <laughs> we grown. I'm 19. I'm 20 now. I don't need... Listen, listen, listen. I'm going I'm to I'm give you... the I know you're not going to like it, but it's true. I'm telling you how to get the discipline. Don't trust your flesh. Your flesh will tell you "No, You can handle it. Y'all not going to do anything. I'll give you a challenge. I know Minister Stinson gave you one. I'll give you another one. When you're dating, only date the person... By them coming to your parents and you going to their parents. And you don't see each other outside of that alone. Oh, don't start that. I know, see, that's the flesh. Why do you want to get away from your parents? Always want to get away from them. Undisciplined. That's all it is. But let me tell you, if you committed yourself to God and you said you're going to be holy, you said you're going to be righteous, you want to do God's will, you need to say, you know what, I won't defile you. So, uh, let me tell you, we're not going to be touching on each other and having sex in front of your parents. And you're not, we won't be doing that in front of mine. So the best thing for us to do is, when we see each other, let's just be over our parents' No, I don't want to be with my parents, Or so Why? You want to get into something you can't handle. Because you know, because society say you're grown. I don't care if you have your own apartment. If you have your own apartment, take your date to your mother's. Go to their parents. And then take your tail to your own house like this. Do not have no no girlfriend or boyfriend over no apartment. Let me tell you. I'm going to tell you right now because you can't lie to me and you sure can't lie to God. It's no way that you have an apartment and your boyfriend and girlfriend is coming over and you're not having sex. No way. No way, Jose. I don't care how much you say you love God. You, you're stronger than everybody that have faith. No way. No, if you're gonna get in there, and let me tell you, I, you see, we play games, game, well, okay, but we're just gonna sit out here in the backyard by ourselves. Don't even do that! Don't trust your flesh! And please, this is the, this, this is the deal. Well, okay, see, I'm, I'm gonna show you how you can't handle it. Your flesh will say, okay, but, well, you know, but we're not gonna really go all the way. You know, just give your flesh a little bit of something, but not, not really all the way. Your flesh will say, seriously, you're not that strong. You don't even know where the book of Habakkuk is and talking about, I can handle the flesh. You don't even know that there even be a book. You're like, what is it? A obahu? Oba I don't, you don't even know the book, don't even know the books of the Bible. And now you think, I can handle this flesh though. And then walking around like I'm still a virgin. No way. No way, Jose. No, no, no. No, no, no. Because you're not powerful enough. You don't know the word. Let me tell you, those that know the word know not to put themselves in that position. And all of a sudden you can? No way. No way. And okay, fine and dandy. It's done. It's over and everything. Now's the time to get it right. Now's the time to say, you know what? It's time to be disciplined. I can't handle that. I can't handle coming over to your house. I can't handle looking at that bed in that bedroom. I can't handle sitting in the car with you, hugged up. I can't handle it. Let's go to your parents' house and let's sit down in there with you. Nobody, let me tell you, I don't care if your parents is not in the room with you in your house. It's something about being in your parents' house. You can't even even start trying to, your, your mind don't even work like that. You just be like, you know, it just don't even, yeah, I can't, that's where your mind needs to be. That's where your mind needs to be. You need to be in your mind. My parents is here that just took everything out of it. No, what it did was take everything out of the flesh. It didn't take anything out of it. It took everything out of the flesh. But nobody wants their parents involved. When you don't, let me tell you, when people don't want the parents involved, I'm going to tell you straight bondage. It's straight bondage. If you don't want the parents involved, straight bondage. But see, the, the world system keeps telling you, you're grown. You need, you know, you need to have a personal, di- I told you, it's only one made for you. What you're wasting time with the 99 for? What you're laying around with the lady 99 for? They ain't even thinking about you. No, no. So I'm telling you, again, we're talking about discipline. Your flesh gonna be involved. So don't tell me you're serious about your relationship with the Lord. And you're not gonna violate each other. And you're, and you're sitting up violating each other and saying you love the Lord. See, we're not that kind of church. I'm sorry. We're not that kind of church where we're gonna just play into it. Oh, well they gonna get married one day. Oh heck no. I don't care if you're gonna get married one day. One day, then that's when you do that. But you live according to the Word of God now. And if you love them, don't violate them. Because it is a violation. It's a violation of the Word of God. It's a violation of that, that person. Don't tell me how much you love them and you're going up under their clothes. You're going into his pants. No way. That is a violation. Ooh, she's a little too deep. That's fine. I'm talking about those that's want to be disciplined so they can make the right decisions. When I say keep company at your parents' home, I know that makes you like, "Mm mm-mm. That's called, uh, hey, that's called security detail. (laughs) That's all it's called. And you know what, and when you meet somebody and say, well, you know what, I have a security detail around me, what's that? I only date people that can come over to my parents' house and date me there. They'll show you how much they want you. You mean that your parents is going to be there? They're not going to be out of town. No, they're going to be right there. If they're interested with you, they'll have no problem with that. If they say, well, how old are you again? You mean you have to do, say, I, I, I'm going to teach it to you. You're going to have to learn that walk away game. Say, it's time to walk. It's time to walk. They're just showing you. I just want what's up under your clothes. I don't want all this stuff dealing with your parents. And I sure don't want to look at your dad, cause men don't like to look at men when they got dirt up their sleeve. They don't mind looking at women, but when the man walking at me, oh shoot, they know exactly what, yes they do. That's why you better listen. Male or female, it doesn't matter. Especially you female, you better listen. But even you male, you better listen. You're going to get caught. How many times have I told you how many times people have tried to make God's word a lie? You're never going to do it. And the only other place you should go together is the church. And now since we're not meeting, you can't come up here and sit in the parking lot. And I'm going to go on with it after that. Because they, sitting in the parking lot, that stuff don't roll either. We're just sitting in the car. What? With that flesh? No. Well, sit in the parking lot and let your parents sit in the back seat. Oh, just forget it there. Yeah, that flesh. Oh, I want you all to understand what I'm saying. There are things in your life. That's why even... um, Let me tell you, it will tempt you and your flesh will say yes. Don't allow it to tempt... Don't even tempt yourself with it. Say, I can't handle that. I can't handle that. Just set up a security detail and make sure that there's... Listen, there's no circumstance by which your flesh can be tempted. Make sure whatever security detail, I'm going to make sure I'm in that detail where my flesh will not get out of hand. And I guarantee you it's with your parents. It'll never. In that area where you're prone to sin, say, you know what, I need security details around that. I know it's not hip for the day. But if you're gonna learn to make the right decision, you're gonna have to, it's gonna require that you deny that flesh. It requires that you don't tempt your flesh. Now, and then let her see, it requires me to not satisfy my flesh. You cannot satisfy your flesh. You can't, let me tell you, I'ma tell you this now, you will never ever be able to appease the flesh. Never. Now I know what you like to say. Again, I'm not gonna go all the way. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna completely sin. Mm. I know, I, I know, I'm not gonna do what I'm supposed to. we just gonna do, the- we're just gonna go, and I'm not gonna do that. But let me tell you something. You give your flesh a little something, that little bit that you keep talking about, just a little. See, what is wrong with you saying let's go to the movies? You know what? Let's invite our parents to go. Oh, that's so old. See, that's it. You want to go sit in a dark place by yourself. Why not? See, I'm telling you, your parents don't even have to sit by you. They can sit behind you. It's something about your parents being there that turns the flesh off. It's like, oh, no. Mm -mm. Oh, shoot. But when they're not there, you know what? Your flesh is heightened. What can I get into and they don't know about? What can I get into and nobody knows but me? I'm not going to completely sin. I'm going to let them touch on me, but not, I'm not going to let them penetrate me. So I'm not all the way into sin. Guess what? With God, you're all the way into sin. See, that's your morality. They're saying I'm not really sinning. Yeah, you're sinning. And you're undisciplined. Or are you with me? You're never going to appease the flesh. Never. You give the flesh a little something, it's going to want more. If I give my flesh a little something, guess what? We, we'll even say it. If I just do this, you're just going to settle everything down, settle my flesh down. Listen, the flesh is never satisfied. Never. It's never satisfied. You can't appease the flesh. The flesh will tell you, just, just, just dabble just a little, you know, flirt just a little, get up, go on, walk in front of them, and, you know, just just a little, sit on their lap, just a little, they, you know, you're really not going to do anything. Oh, go on, just call them. ain't nothing wrong with talking. Have you noticed when you get on the phone and you start talking and stuff, your flesh is all round up? And why don't you talk to them on the phone with your parents in the same room? You go all outside in the backyard, walk around the yard in circles with the phone. Because why? I'm, I'm trying to get into something I can't handle. I don't want to be where they are. I mean, my God, if you ain't talking about nothing, they can sit right there. Hey, what you doing? Well, no, uh-uh. I, and then they ring the phone. And have you noticed? They look up and see where you are. And be like, okay, I'll be back. Why? 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 Flesh. And I'm going to guarantee you, it's something you can't handle. If you can't talk about it in front of your parents, you can't handle it. You think you can, but it's a trap for you. It's a trap for you. Did you hear me? So, you have to understand. And all this, you know, yeah, well, it's six feet social distancing. So, yeah, I can just, just come on, we you know we could just sit in back here, just us two together, just, just us two. You need to come over to my house and I'll let you sit in the backyard and I'll send Isaiah and Layla out there with you. you will be like, oh Lord, not the children. Yeah. That's, a, that's another one that'll that'll mess you up. Children running around. You 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 need and especially you all to get all excited about a baby. <laughs> you need to get your flesh riled up and let some children run out there. It's like blowing a high. Oh, forget it. Because they start playing with you. you be like, hey, hey, yeah, ooh, ooh, Lord, don't they come get there too. And that's what you're saying to yourself. Because, why wow, I want to handle something else. I know you don't like this. Why don't she move on? <sighs> Listen, when you give your flesh a little, it's going to double down on you. It's gonna dump. Listen, don't put yourself in the position where you think in your mind that a little bit of the fleshy thing is satisfactory. It's that you know, you know, you know. It's not gonna. You know Let me tell you, your flesh won't be satisfied. It's gonna want more. I'm gonna I'm show you right now for some of you that maybe have not went that far, but went far enough that it excited your flesh. That's why you're antsy now. See, because it wants more. It's never satisfied. It's like, yeah, you gave me a little bit of that. But let's get deeper. And let's find a way to get deeper. Talking truth here. It's going to pull you there. It's like, ooh... Oh, it was almost, oh, that did feel good. But you know what? I didn't do nothing. I didn't do nothing. But why are you trying to get after it now? If you're trying to get after it now, it's because you've dabbled. Yes, I said it. And I'm not lying. If you're trying to get after it, it's because you have dabbled. You may or may not have gone all the way, but you've dabbled, and it's enough to make your flesh say, "I'm not satisfied. I want more." Undisciplined. Did you hear me? Undisciplined. We're talking about making the right decisions, the hard decisions. Live. Listen. If it was easy, if it was an easy decision, everybody would do it. It's not. (laughs) It's not. Everybody would be making them if it was easy. The scriptures would read different. It would say broad is the way that leads to life. And many go therein. Narrow is the way that leads to destruction. Fewer. But it doesn't say that. Because it is hard when you're not disciplined. But guess what? In Church of the Living Water, We're going to all learn to make the right choices, the right decisions. Now, watch this. In order to make the right decision, it requires that I develop self-control. Go with me to 1 Corinthians. See, y'all got me off, so now i got to stay. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You must develop self-control. Now... I could hear someone saying, Well, what is the difference, Pastor? What's the difference between abstaining from the flesh and developing self-control? Is there a difference between abstaining from um, the flesh and developing self-control? Let me give it to you. Let me give you the example that God gave me. Denying the flesh is like having a proper diet. And I'm on this because... My sons are all into it and they stay on my case and they you know they stay on they just into it. And listen, let me stay, stay with what I'm saying. Denying the flesh is like having a proper diet. Developing self-control is like exercising. You need the two together to have a healthy life. Or to get results. You need them both. Did you hear me? Did you get that? I'll say it again. Denying the flesh is like a proper diet. Developing self-control is like exercising. And you need both of them to get results. To be, have a healthy life. Because in the natural... And I'm, I'm just learning a whole bunch of stuff. In the natural, listen, to have a healthy, natural life, you can't just exercise and don't monitor your diet. I'm just going to exercise and eat what I want. No, don't work like that. You can't just exercise and not monitor your diet. Why? Because no matter how much you exercise, if your diet is poor, it's going to cause some damage that exercise can't take care of. Did you hear me? It's going to cause damage on the inside that exercise is not going to address. It's not going to address that. Follow me. But watch this. You can't just have a good diet. And sit around and don 't exercise well i 'm eating right, but i'm not doing anything. why? Because exercise plays a vital role in your life being healthy now i don't want you to get all caught up in this i'm talking because i'm still talking about discipline so you can make the right right decisions about things i'm just giving you examples don't get so caught up so Exercise play a vital part in your life as well. So, if you want a healthy life, if you want to get in shape, the first thing your doctor says is what? Diet and exercise. Have you ever heard a doctor say, just diet? Or just exercise? No, they always say, diet and exercise. That's called denying the flesh, abstaining from fleshly lust. That's a spiritual diet. That's a spiritual diet. Because we're talking spiritual right here. That's a spiritual diet. When you deny your flesh and abstain from fleshly lust, that's a spiritual diet. Developing self-control is spiritual exercise. So I got to have self-control. And if you put the two, two things together, guess what? You become fit and strong enough to make the right decisions. Your spiritual life becomes healthy. Healthy. Why? Because now I've put into, I've abstained from fleshly desire. I've been denying my flesh to do the things that it wants to. Now I'm developing a healthy spiritual life. Now when decisions come up, I can make the right decision. But watch this. If you don't deny your flesh and you won't have self-control, that you need to make the right... Let me tell you, to make the right decisions, if those are not in place, you won't make the right decisions. I'm talking about spiritually. If you don't develop your self-control, eventually you'll stop denying your flesh. They go, they, but they go hand in hand. You, if you stop one, you're going to stop the other. You're going to be back and forth, back and forth. And then when decision time comes up, you'll never make the right one. Because it has not connected. In order for it to work, what do we say? Diet and exercise. So you have to have both. Denying the flesh and abstaining. You got to have both. So if we're going to have a healthy spiritual life, we take the natural, for example, and we apply it to the spiritual and now you have a healthy natural life and a healthy spiritual life. You take the same concept, the same one. So, watch this. If I died in exercise, I'll have, in the natural, I'll have a healthy natural life. If I just died in exercise. And if I deny my flesh and develop self control, I'll have a healthy spiritual life. Now, what did we just talk about? The whole of the person. God just dealt with the whole of the person. He said, you'll have it in the natural right and you'll have it in the spiritual right. The whole of the person. Are you in 1 Corinthians chapter 9? Beginning at verse 24. And it reads, Ye know ye not that they which run... That, wait, where am I? Yes. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may obtain. It's telling you what to do. And every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore run not as uncertainty, uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air or one that shadow box, but I keep under my body and bring it under subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a cast away. That should, you know what? When I read that, you know what God said to me? And I'm going to share it with you. God said, you know, there's no, that, there, that, there, there's actually no difference between a believer, and an athlete. The same requirements. Did you hear me? It's the same requirements between an athlete and a believer. An athlete has to be mentally... You athletes should know. You should be, have to be mentally and physically disciplined. Am I lying? If you're an athlete, you have to be mentally and physically disciplined. You have to take care of your body. You got to recognize it and treat it as a temple. Believer, an athlete, same thing. That's what they do. So does the believer. We do the same thing. We treat it as a temple. And we say mentally, Physically, I got to be disciplined. There's really no difference between the athlete and the believer. Are you following me? Listen, true Christianity, true Christianity should be fit. It should be fit. What what do you mean by that? We should have be sound in body, mind, sound in diet. Now, the difference between us and the athlete is that not only we do we have a, a sound natural diet, we should have a sound spiritual diet you have to have that's why you can't be jumping all over the place that's why you can't be listening to any and everything that's why you have to have a sound diet that's why you have to be in a church teaching a sound word you have to have a sound diet see let me tell you you're not going to get a bunch of fatty stuff here like god's going to give you a house You're going to get a car, and you're going to get a million dollars, and you're going to get money for this and money for that. Let me tell you, you need to have a sound diet. Making the right decision, letter A, that I discipline my mind. I must have self-control as it relates to my thinking. That is, that my thinking doesn't control me. But I control my thinking. I cannot let my thinking control me. I have to control my thinking. Then I put in the hard unseen work of learning how to wrestle and rein in my thoughts. So you have to learn to, that's the unseen work, wrestle and rein in those thoughts. Discipline my thinking. The Bible tells us how to do that. And it's, and it's not so easy. It's tough. It says take every thought and bring it into captivity and make it obey the will of God. Why? Because Now please write this down. Why do I have to take those thoughts and bring them into captivity and make them obey the word of God? Because thoughts leads to thinking. Write it down. Thoughts lead to thinking. And thinking leads to to a pattern of thought. Thinking leads to a pattern of thought. And a pattern of thought leads to a pattern of behavior. I'll say it again. Thoughts leads to thinking. Thinking leads to a pattern of thought. A pattern leads to a pattern of behavior. And here it is, and a behavior determines the course of your life. See, see, a lot of you can look at your life now. You went down that road. You patterned your life after you began to think. Your thoughts made you start thinking, and you started, it became a pattern of thought in your mind. What you're gonna do? What you gonna, what, what how it's gonna do. And that pattern of thought it leads right into a, a pattern of behavior. That means I'm going to reject what my parents say because I've been thinking. Now the thought is there. Now that pattern of behavior is there. Now I'm, I have an attitude. Now I'm, you know, no, you can't tell me I can't do this. And I, you can, you know, no, I don't, I don't think they know what they're talking about. See, a pattern of behavior. And that behavior will lead you right into a course of your life. Some of your own, of course. Because of this very thing. And it started with a thought. You were thinking. You kept thinking. And it made a pattern of thought in your mind. And after it sets that up, see, it, it, it just walks you through. It, it, actually, it's what the devil called walking you down. Then after you get through that, then it, then it says, okay, now you got a pattern of thought there. So now show your behavior. It'll show what I'm thinking. Hmm. Mm, 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 mm. No, I ain't listening. I ain't li- you can see it on your facial expression. you can draw that uh, You're in that stage. If you've got to look on your face when your parents are trying to talk to you or when they come in the room or when they get... Let me tell you, you're in that stage. You're already in a pattern of behavior. And that's going to lead you to the course of your life. Nothing's going to get you out of it other than repenting and coming out of that. It will do the course of your life. So I have to discipline my thought life. Discipline it. Because a thought is like a tool. It's a wrench. It's, 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 it it just keeps going. It's like a tool. And it's gonna manipulate your actions. It'll keep on till it manipulates your actions. It's gonna do what you're gonna do. It manipulates you to do. You don't even, you, you think it's just, just random that you do it. No, a thought came. And it's manipulating your actions. And there's no such thing as an idle thought. Whatever thought you have is going to lead to your way of thinking. There's no such thing as an idle thought. Your thought is going to lead to thinking. Your thinking is going to lead to a pattern of thought. Your pattern of thought is going to lead you to a behavior. Your behavior is going to lead you to a course of life. It's going to work that way all the time until you discipline yourself. And when that pattern starts determining the course of your life, mm, so how do you think you're going to make the right decisions? You cannot do it without self-control. You can't do it without self-control in your mind. You can't do it without discipline. You have to discipline your mind. You don't let thoughts just run rampant because it's going to lead to a way of thinking, a pattern of thinking. That's why, when, let me tell you how another way you know you're in a pattern of thinking, nobody can tell you nothing. That means the pattern of thinking have already taken place. No matter what they try to talk to you about. No matter what they say. You're looking at them and in your mind they sound just like the adults on Charlie Brown. Wonk, 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 wonk. That's the way you you hear. And that means the pattern of behavior is already there. You're like, I'm listening to them but I'm not. I don't know what they're saying and I really don't care because I'm going to do what I want to. It is already taking place. And you're not thinking about repentance, so you're stuck in that. So now what is what is the enemy doing? He's begin digging out your course of life that you don't see. He's digging it out. Because you've set you gave him the power. Don't he didn't even force it on you. You gave place to that. Listen, it requires that I discipline my body. Making the right decision requires that I discipline my body. Our body has to be trained. Our bodies have to be trained to desire. Listen, our bodies have to be trained to desire to do good and to want good. Did you know that? It has to be. Some people hate water. Do you know you have to train your body to love water? And then you'll find out when you train it, guess what? It'll start desiring it on its own. Be like, oh, I just want some water and I, usually, I don't even like water. But it's a training. You can discipline yourself to love water or whatever it is that you know that's essential to your life. See, some people say, I don't like water. I don't drink that much water. But you know what? You might not see it, but it's not good. It's, it's not good for your kidneys. You need the water. So you have to to discipline yourself to drink that water. You can train yourself to desire what is good and to desire to do good. It's a training. That's why the Bible says, Yield not your members as instruments of unrighteousness. In other words, you can get your body in a place that it wants to do what God says. See, it won't sound foreign to you anymore when I'm talking about, why don't you take every time y'all go on a date, you at her mother's house or his mother's house. See, it won't sound like, that sounds mm, kiddish to me. That sound we don't have to sit around And look, I'm like, I'm telling you, the thinking. You got a pattern of thinking there. Listen. Listen to this teaching that I'm teaching today. In order for you to get this teaching today, listen to me, I had to do some self-control. Because in teaching, it takes study time. It takes research time. It takes preparation time. It takes meditation time. It takes organizing. Time. Most of the time, I do it, and my sons always say, my, "My son are coming because my sons, they're disciplined. They get up at two and three every morning, and they're in that gym. They doing, and they're walking through." And I just said, "Mom, it's not, it's not normal. You need to be sleep. Why? You never sleep. You never sleep." But see, during the day, I'm busy. My grandchildren are running around, uh, different things taking care of household. My best time is at that time. And then I just don't sleep well anyway. That's just, you know, that's that's just the way I am. And I've been that way since Pastor Hill transition. I just, I have the time. So that's the time when I do those things. And that's the times when I really, but let me tell you, tell you something. You have to have self-control for that. Because it'd be like, well, you can do this, you can do that. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot go with preparation. Now, just getting up here teaching, it seems like, well, anybody could do that. Well, yeah, you think you can. Listen. And I just can't just get up and just do it. It takes prayer. It takes seeking God. It's like God, you know, you know your spirit has to be willing. See, a lot of people don't know that. <sighs> Confession time for me. Let me confess something. Last, on Valentine's Day, I didn't really want to come teach. And I was thinking of every excuse not to. I just didn't want to. Grief was there. And I was like, oh, and then I thought, I said, you know what? The ministers are always prepared. And they, they can handle it. And I really don't. And I kept saying, okay, okay, let me, I, I, I just want them to, they can just teach. I don't even want to go to church that Sunday. I want to do this. I want to do that. But then I went in and spent time with God. See, that makes the difference. I went in and spent time with God. And I wanted to tell God, God, you know, I don't. I mean, it, it doesn't matter. All of the ministers are capable, and every one of them is capable. And I was, and I was even trying to just tell myself, I said, well, everybody love all the ministers that, any of the ministers that I can call to do it, the, the church will receive what they said, receive what they're ministering. And then when I spent got quiet time, about two in the morning and three, I'm like, and then God said. I'm doing something, and I don't want it broken. I'm doing with the ministers what I'm doing with them. But what I'm doing with you, I don't want that climate broken right now. I need you to be okay, and I need you to do it. Pull yourself together. And just with him saying that, I got myself together. And I said, oh, I can do this. I can do this. Now, most of you all were here, and those of you listening, on, what was it, last Sunday the 14th or Sunday before? I think that was the last time I taught on on morality. But guess what? If I wasn't disciplined, I couldn't even pull it together. See so you have, you, have, you have to do I said, I, I can do this, God, I can. I can do it. I can just get up and just I can do it. I can do it. why? Because it's his will to do it. God says, it's fine and dandy and, and and I got them on what I want to do, but I do not want this broken in what I'm saying through you, and they can't get do what I'm telling you to do. But I could have fought through that and said, oh, God, you know I'm going through, and this is uh, grief. Because, see, a lot of times people, they go on with life. Grief don't do that. Grief stays there. And so I said, okay, God, I can, I can. And then God began to minister to me. Then after I started looking up scriptures and, and praying, and God strengthened me. Now, not a one of you, not one of you, nobody could say two Sundays ago that it looked like I struggled with anything. Because once I got up, I didn't. See, let me tell you, as you go, God strengthens you. And then you get up and you be like, you know, i never even thought about it after that. But if I would have said, no, I just can not mm-mm-mm-mm. It's going to bother me. It's going to... No, no. God said, I know it, 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 it requires a lot of energy on your part to do it. But you're disciplined enough. It requires sacrifice. I'm not my own. I said yes to the calling. So I can't pick and choose. I believe God would have let me off if I was just going on vacation. But he said no. Because he has something for you but he also has something for me. He's like nope, you can do it. My sons didn't even know about it. There's plenty of things I don't talk to my sons about. It's between me and God. I want you to know God will give you the mind, body, spirit, soul to do what he's called you to do when you become disciplined. Now, if I wasn't disciplined, I wouldn't even, I would, first of all, I wouldn't even went and spend time with God. I would have just said, I'm going to call one of the ministers, and that's that. But I know how to hear from God. Last but not least, letter C. It requires that I discipline my desires. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean that it makes... That I make my desires God's desires. I have to. I discipline myself to only desire what He desires. The Bible said, set your affections on things above. In other words, set your affections on what God desires. The Bible says that God will grant us the desires of our heart. But He also said... In the Bible, he said that if, if, if my word abides in you, if you just let it abide in you, you let it become one of you, I'm going to be there to do what I said I'm going to do. See, you've got to let it abide in you. He said, let this word abide in you. In other words, if you would make your desires my desires, He said, I'll make sure that my will is done in your life. Why? Because now your will and my will becomes the same will. God said, then everything that needs to be done in your life will be done. Because now we're on the same page. Church, we have to develop the discipline to make our desires God's desires. I have to. That's how you make the right decisions, is that I make God desires my desires. You have to do that all the time. When your body and mind and desires, and uh, I'm telling you, and your discipline, you're, you're going to make the right decisions. You're going to make the right decisions. One more scripture. I've I, I got to finish it. It's okay. I'm pastor. I can do that. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And if you're streaming and you have to go, go ahead. But we're finishing this. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Go there. Chapter 6. This is the final point. I thought I was at the final point. I'm going to make a decision. It requires to learn contentment. That's the last one. To learn contentment. Have we learned contentment? Discontentment prevents me from making right decisions. When I am discontented, I will make wrong decisions every time. Undisciplined people want the benefits without the structure. Undisciplined people want the benefits without the structures. Unsaved men and women, they want friends and benefits without the structure. Know that. But disciplined people know that in order to receive the benefits, you have to learn how to be content where you are. See, when you start jumping all around, you're discontented. You can say whatever you want. You're discontented. That's what God is telling you. I don't care what you say. I don't care what all that morality that you're in and all that trying to be a moral good person and think you're talking all the morality that's opposed and hostile and rebellious against God. No, you are discontented. How do you learn discontentment? The way I learn discontentment is through the process of teaching and reminding myself. Of the doctrine of godliness. See, then you will see the, the, the discontentment that's in you. See, most of people that are discontented, they rarely read the Bible. They oh, they listen to messages, but they don't study for themselves. In First Timothy chapter six verse three, it says, "If a man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words." Even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud. And I'm going to tell you, this is what God has said a discontented person is. And I'm telling you, you are discontented. Because God said you were. Listen. He is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and stripes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, Perverse disputing of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness from such, withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we'll carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therefore content. Church, if I'm going to make the right decision, letter A... I must learn to be content with who I am. Stop trying to be somebody. Be content with who you are. And listen, when I say being content with who you are, I'm not talking about you, you know, you don't trust, you don't have any drive or desire to be better. I'm talking about you as a child of God. That's what I'm talking about. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that. I'm content with that. I don't have to try to be and do everything everybody else is doing. I am content with that. You know, that, that you're you content with the fact that I'm a peculiar people. I am a chosen generation. You're a believer. Grab that. You're a believer. So you, learn, you have to learn how to be content with who you are. You don't have to be someone else. You don't have to size yourself up with someone else be content with who you are. That's the learning process. I'm content with who I am. Because if I don't learn to be content with who I am, you're going to make wrong decisions. Because I'm not content with who I am. You will try to make decisions to be something other than who you are. None of our ministers should feel Anything toward another minister. You are who you are. You got a word for God, what God has given you. You don't have to be okay with who you are. I don't care what kind of degrees anybody have. I don't care what. I don't care about any of that. I'm contented who I am. Making the right decision. Let it be. Is learning to be content with what I have. With what you have, you don't have to try to be, you don't have to try to do what somebody else do, have what someone else have. Now, I found this out. Now, some of you may not know, and and I call it, I call it goldfish living now. But did you know that a goldfish grows in whatever size tank that it's in? You know, the little goldfish your children bring home from school and that little deal. But they grow in whatever size tank that they're in. The bigger the environment, the bigger they grow. You go and you know how you go and you go places and you see them big. You be like, how did that goldfish get that big? They're in a larger environment. Now, you know what I get out of that? Goldfish living. One of the things that we have to do is learn how to live within the size of our tank. Just learn how to live right there. Stop trying to live in somebody else's tank. Don't try to live in your parents' tank. Theirs is bigger than yours. Learn to live in the size of your tank. And you know one of the downsides of being in quarantine is being home. And the more oftentimes is when you're in home, you have more time to look at TV and see what people have, more time to be on the internet to see what you can buy, more time because you have that time on your hands, and you see what ooh they got this, ooh they got that, and see all of that it pulls you in, and you start doing things that's outside of your tank. You're in the fish jar and you're trying to live in the pond. No, live where your tank is. If your tank is the fish jar for this dispensation, stay there, grow and develop there. And guess what? You stay in this ministry long enough, God's gonna dip you out and put you in the pond eventually, and you'll grow some more. But you wanna, you know, let me tell you, you're about this big and you wanna jump in the pond. I mean the pond with all the big fish. Guess what? You're going to get ate up. Because no, you got to grow where you are. That's the state of life that you're in. You don't have to try to jump out of the little the little bowl and try to get there. Don't try to jump out. Guess what? You're going to hit the floor. You're not going to hit the pond. And then what? You'll suffocate. You're going to die. Wait for somebody to take you out and put you in the bigger part so that you can grow bigger. Sometimes some of you get up and you start talking and I get nervous because I know that you're in the bowl and you're trying to be in the, you're trying to be in the ocean. You don't have to do that. Just what everything comes with time. You're not. Gonna, let me tell you, we got little Samuel Jr. today. We're not gonna. He's not gonna be able to be in the bigger class now. No, he's got the. He's the fishbowl in the nursery. We won't try to put him in there where they walk in. And so why? Because he's an infant. You stay there. When it gets time, he don't automatically go there. They come and take him to the another. another. You have to do the same thing. Say, I'm in a fishbowl. And I'm okay there. Guess what? You do good there. You grow and develop. Because guess what? you still going to, somebody's going to sprinkle food in that little bowl. And you're going to eat. And you're going to grow. But when you try to get outside of that goldfish mentality, grow in the tank that you're in. And stay there. And see, that's what people try to do. And you, you see that and you be like, no. You lose contentment just being there. I want to be, I want. okay, I need to be doing this. No, no. You're looking at too much TV or you're listening to too much or you think, I need to be here and I need to be there so I'm going to make myself be there. No, you don't. No. You sound foolish. No. It becomes more obvious that you're in a smaller tank. Be okay with that. Everybody have gone, let me tell you, all of us have been in the small tank before. Everybody have, and you want to skip it. No, you can't. So when you start to lose contentment, you start to lose contentment over and over again, and then you begin to find out your whole life change. Everything is just discontented, and then you have you lose the ability to maintain. You use it, you lose it, and then you know even around your house you start to want more than you need. You want to buy stuff more than you need. Listen. You can learn... Let me tell you. You can learn at this time in the goldfish living. You can. You really can. And this is what you learn. I do not have to try to live larger than the tank that I'm in. You can find yourself to... You know, but why? Because if I... If I don't stay in the tank that I'm in, I'm going to lose contentment. Ooh, looks like they're getting, they getting ahead of me. I need to... no. you're losing contentment. You lose satisfaction in your life. Listen, some of you are here. I'm calling out things that's happening. You lose satisfaction in your life. You're always desiring to, to you know, even, even in your house, you just just keep trying to buy things and get things. And, and, and I'm telling you, and it's just choking the life out of you. This is a good opportunity during quarantine right now so that you can make the right decision to learn contentment, to learn to live in the size tank that God has placed you in that you're in right now. Don't try to do anything else. Tell yourself it's not about having more and getting more. I can live with what I have. I can live with what I have. I can make the right decision with what I have. I have to learn to make the I have to learn to be content while living in this time period. I gotta learn to While living in this world, I have to learn contentment. If you don't, you're going to be all over the place. I'm telling you, you're going to be all over the place if you don't learn to be content in this world. And listen, we're all saying, I can't wait to everything get back the same, the way it used to be. I can't wait. Let me tell you something so you'll get that out of your head and you'll stop saying that. Even when things go back, it'll never be that normal again. It won't. It'll be another normal. It won't be the same. So stop saying. I'm going to tell you now. When everything, go, when we come back and, uh, uh, and begin to come back here and it's never, nothing in this country will ever be the same like it used to be. We're going to have a new normal. So stop saying I'll be glad when everything gets back the way you used to. It's not. I'm telling you now. And it's a good opportunity right now for you to say, you know what, I'm content. Because this world is changing. And it's always changing. And it's still changing. Good opportunity right now. And you need to understand that your contentment is not going to be found in this government. It's not going to be found in the weather. It's not going to be found in in a new job. Your contentment will not be found in any of that. Your contentment is found in Christ. Only. And contentment comes from godliness. If you're discontented, check your godliness. See if it's on point. That's how you teach and remind yourself continually that my my contentment comes from godliness. Let me see where I am. My contentment doesn't come from the world. Why am I trying to be like the world? Why am I trying to satisfy myself like the world? Why am I looking to everything that the world is showing me, and I'm trying to build my life on it? You know what? I, uh, you know what? I talk a little bit about things that are happening with the government because I'm no fool. I, we got to know what's going on in our country, but that's just that, that's not something that I just stay on all the time, and 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 you know that's all I want to talk about. And it, because let me tell you, it leads you into uh, animosity and. Anger and hatred and and all those things and then when it's time for you to make a decision you don't even know how because you you didn't put all of your hope and all of your contentment in that I am contented in whatever